boy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 50 of the podcast. This is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere you find good podcasts. And do us a favor, rate and review the show. If you've been listening for a long time, hopefully since episode zero, and you like this podcast, give us five stars, rate and review us. Uh, let the good people of this planet know why they should listen to this podcast. Uh, also, and uh, <laughs> think of one person in your life who you think would like this show and send them your favorite episode. Holy shit, folks. We are at episode 50. We are halfway to 100. And I have nothing to do to celebrate it except... Be here again and be present, and um, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, thank you. Um, if you're just hopping on, thank you. Uh, like I said, I look at the numbers and I see this uh, roving spotlight, and I can pretty much see people sort of working their way through the episodes, and and uh, it's really fulfilling to see. And, uh, you know, I know we're not, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a popular podcast. I know we're not serial, folks, but... Uh, you know, it just, uh, it means a lot that I can show up every week and, and just sort of, um, brain vomit on you folks. And, and some of you seem to enjoy that and enjoy tuning in and like listening to this. And that's really fulfilling. So, ah, yes, we are halfway to 100 and, um, I got to be honest from where I'm sitting now, I don't see it stopping. Um, it's been a really fulfilling year for me so far. And technically as great as, you know, it, it's great that we're halfway to 100 and that's phenomenal. But it's not, technically, it's not even our year anniversary. Um, and I'm trying to think. I think it'll be episode 52 will probably be our one-year anniversary officially. But whatever the case, um, we're halfway to 100, and that's a great thing. Um, and you'd think I'd have a bunch of stuff planned, and I don't know, but I don't. It is uh, Sunday night. It is eight. It is literally eight p.m. on Sunday night. This episode will be live in four hours, and uh, you know what? No pressure. I'm not going to rapid fire anything. I'm going to take it real chill. I'm relaxing. It's been a busy week for me. Uh, school started. Um, it always starts off a little slow, doesn't it? You have your first day of class, and you just kind of go over the syllabus. And, uh, you know, I've had plenty of homework in, in two of my classes and one, pretty much nothing. So I really won't have a sense of what that will feel like until the end of next week. But I also started my new job, which has taken up a fair amount of time and, uh, kind of coming in kind of at a crazy point and having to spend a lot of time in Excel spreadsheets. And, you know, I've never had an office job before and not that that's what this is necessarily, but there's this big component to my job right now. That involves me emailing a shit ton of people and um, having to be available for their responses. And I've been talking about it with my girlfriend, but if you work in an office environment and it, it just, I had sort of forgotten, but it really feels like back when I was first booking my own shows, but also my own tours specifically, where you would spend a whole day with like a hundred browser tabs open on your computer and it would be venues that you were looking up and you would be looking at their calendars and you would be trying to create, you know, a spreadsheet for yourself of where you needed to be and what dates were available and trying to, you know, just call together this calendar of, you know, where you wanted to be and what venues were available and who you emailed and who had, uh, who you had emailed, who had responded no, who you needed to follow up with. And there's just all these qualifying 
things that needed to to be applied and altered and monitored uh, on the spreadsheet. And as you're trying to maintain this working document, you have emails coming in all the time so that nothing is consistent. It's being changed all the time, and you really need to have a system in place or else it becomes very overwhelming very quickly. Um, And that's just like the sort of, I don't know, the macro perspective, right? The actual living experience of that, though, is you literally you literally sit with this anxiety, this like sitting on the edge of your seat, and you feel rushed. It's like no matter what I'm focusing on, there's half of my brain that, even though I'm not looking at it, is in my my email inbox and imagining all the emails that are coming in. And I know that they're coming in because I've seen them coming in. If I wanted to, I could just look at my email inbox and just be occupied there for the entirety of the of the time period that I've allotted to work. But there are also tasks that need to be attended to on their own. And I'm learning very quickly that I need to uh, compartmentalize my time very seriously. So, you know, instead of just getting... Whew, sorry, I had to burp and yawn at the same time. Um, <clears throat> instead of getting just sort of, uh, I don't know, caught in that undertow of email that you can, like really deciding I'm going to focus on this one task for one hour and, uh, or even just setting two hours a day to focus on email exclusively and literally not looking at it outside of that. Um, cause otherwise you just sort of sit with this anxiety and literally, uh, like booking shows. It's not that there's no progress made, but the progress can feel so, Minute, and yet you've spent so much of your time and energy and calories battling this undertow of email. And um, just, I don't know, this sort of frantic feeling. And uh, that's what a lot of the last week has been like uh, for me as far as work goes, but also fulfilling. And, um, you know, from day to day, it's hard to see, but even in one week, you know, I've made tremendous progress on some very large projects that were very overwhelming at first. Um, and I think, uh, I think in a lot of ways I've demonstrated why I was a good pick for this job uh, maybe better than good, maybe a superlative choice for this job. I think I've taken on more responsibility than they were anticipating, maybe even twice as much if I'm being honest and, uh, and doing a great job with it. So yeah, you know, school's going great so far. It's always weird for me because when I start the semester, you know, historically I've ended the semesters very well, right? Your boy's getting straight A's. But every time I start, I think, I don't know how I'm going to do it this time. You know, and it's not until you really get in the flow of things where you get your, I don't know, you get your mojo working. But it is weird. I, I always feel like I'm starting over. And even though I just have, you know, these successes behind me. Every time I start, it is like starting all over again. It's kind of like performing. If you haven't performed for a while, you think you're going up there raw when really you're like, I have thousands of hours of experience to draw on and it, and it will, I just have to trust that it will be there when I need it. School kind of feels like the same thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, uh, focusing on work and, um, work and uh, school. A couple things. I was sitting at the dinner table with my girlfriend and we actually, wow, you know, I hadn't really connected that all these things were happening at the same time, but we actually had our four year anniversary last week also. So geez, the anniversary of the podcast, anniversary with my girlfriend, starting a new job, 
starting a new semester of school. Man, life is good, folks. At least for me it is. I mean, I realize it's awful for many people right now, but um, I've probably said it a hundred times. But this will all come together, but... Let's note that I was having a conversation with my girlfriend, and I'll come back to that topic of conversation because it had a lot to do with work. Um, But uh, we also went on another long walk this weekend, and uh, we were uh, on the Bay Trail in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, we've been completing sections of it. And we happened to be in this one area where my buddy Tom lives. Tom Rhodes is a great musician that people should check out. And uh, he and I have been really good friends for years. And for the last couple of years, we just haven't been um, as close, I guess. We just haven't really been in touch as much as, uh, as much as we have been in the past. And my girlfriend and I were walking on this one segment of the trail. And all of a sudden, this guy runs up behind me. And he's like pointing to his face. I don't know what he's doing, but it's like this guy has something to tell me. And I'm thinking in my head, hmm, I wonder what this strapping young gentleman has to say to me. And it's my buddy Tom. My buddy Tom Tom. And so it was nice to see him. We just sort of, uh, you know, catch up for like 20 minutes. He lives in the area, which I had, I kind of knew, but hadn't really registered. And uh, so it was both unexpected and once I saw him, not surprising to see him in that area. But, uh, you know, just kind of catching up with him. And he's been a professional musician for a long time. And uh, since the whole shelter in place thing, he's really, um, I don't know, he's found a lot of success writing for placement and working with a licensing agency down in Los Angeles that... Um, places his music in uh, commercials and or, or actually probably like television placement mostly. But um, got a lot of sun. Your boy's bald, so uh, I have a lot of surface area. And even though it's been really cloudy in the Bay Area, we've had these fires, of course, which have been uh, challenging. But especially as we've been walking at least the last couple weeks, there's just a lot of haze in the air. And it's really deceptive because you think, oh, it's really cloudy and not very sunny. Meanwhile, you're out there, and even though you never see the sun, the UV rays are are filtering through, and just uh, so I feel a little tender on my little bald head, and uh, it's both nice to have some color, but um, I don't know. As you get older, I think you get scared of skin cancer and those sorts of things. So, uh, note to self: I have to make sure I wear more sunscreen. Um. I feel like I was going to weave Tom in somehow to this conversation of, of what I was discussing with my girlfriend at the dinner table. I don't remember how that was going to come up. I guess one thing I'm thinking, though, um, my girlfriend and I were making uh, dinner last night, and uh, we had gone for this long walk. I think I closed my eyes for like 20 minutes when we got back to the apartment, and um, you know, we had bought some stuff for dinner. She wanted to make some bread, so she bought some bread stuff, and... Uh, I don't know what it was, but at some point she thought I was, she's like, oh, I think you're a little hangry. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I guess for whatever reason, she thought I was being a little short, right? Like, um, like I was irritated or something. And it was like, I hadn't felt irritated until that time. And then when she pointed out, I started feeling irritated. And so we were kind of prepping this bread because it was going to have to proof overnight. And as we're kind of making it, I feel like we're both kind of a little short tempered. And, uh, and then like, as we're like making dinner, dinner is not really going great. And we had a huge mess up with the bread and like had to throw it out and try again. And, and, um, I don't know, it was kind of disappointing because we had had such a great day earlier. Like even when we were walking, there were so many moments where I was just like, I really enjoy being with this person, right? Like we really have good laughs, you know, over silly stuff. And, uh, you know, things are generally playful between us and, um, 
And I mean, we're, we're human. We have those times where we're, I don't know, for whatever reason, we're annoyed with each other. And, um, and I think with relationships too, is because it's always surprising. It's like, I don't know, you're always a little confused that, uh, that things are tense between you. You know what I mean? Like, on the, you guys can have such fun and then all of a sudden it changes and it's both, it's kind of disappointing. You're like, oh shit, man, why are we fighting? And also never really being able to pin down what, you know, what's going on exactly. You, you always feel like things should be copacetic and when they're not, it's both disappointing and confusing. And it's kind of, you're like, I don't know. It's a weird thing. But uh, of course, uh, halfway through dinner, we kind of like, I don't know, you make up, do you know what I mean? Like you just kind of find yourself in a conversation where you're, you're laughing all over again and all is right with the world. But I went on this jag when we were having dinner. I've been reflecting on this job and um, I'm glad I got some new responsibilities at work. That's a good thing. I'm really happy about that. Oh, well, I think this, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I was weaving this in with Tom because I was saying, um, I know I'm pinballing around, but what the fuck? You guys listen to this podcast. You know how we do. But um, I was saying, um, when I bumped into my buddy Tom, he and I have been making music together for a long time, right? Like we played just tons of shows together, musical compatriots here in the Bay Area for a long time. And um, and uh, as I'm coming to my point, my thoughts are leaving me. But um, I think I was just trying to say, because I said this to him when we were walking, you know, I was happy to hear that at least in Shelter in Place, he was finding success with licensing music, that things were still going well for him. Because for most of our friends who are professional musicians, who mostly made their music performing live, playing weddings and such, um, that's not the case, obviously. Things are fucked up right now. And for a lot of people, overnight, their jobs completely disappeared. And um, especially in shelter in place, they've been really struggling to find ways to create and to, uh, you know, apply their talents and the skills that they developed over the last, you know, 15, 20 years of their life to make money into making money still. And uh, we were talking about friends and such. And, you know, I hadn't seen Tom for a long time. And I think about the time that we were, um, I don't know, less in touch than we had been at other times things were going pretty well for me. Spotify was going great. It still is going great. Um, it's the primary source of my creative income, which is, as far as I know, is unique among everybody I, I really know who makes music. The idea that Spotify is my number one source of income is really exceptional. And I really chalk it up to luck. Um, I've had the privilege of being placed on enough, uh, you know, some good uh, curated playlists, which has um, served me well. But um and uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I probably did the Matt Nathanson tour, who, by the way, texted me today, which was nice to hear from him. Um, I was actually encouraging him to do a podcast. He's really fucking, he's like a really soulful, smart guy. And he had like posted this uh, photo, whatever, but he had like a really thoughtful caption below it. And I just sort of messaged him and said, hey, man, you ever thought about doing a podcast? Because he's like one of the few people with both the wit. Like if you've ever, he actually came out with a live record recently. You should check it out because his banter is really exceptional. Like, he's one of the few people who can just sort of banter on stage, and it, it's almost like stand-up comedy. Um, and it's just, uh, I don't know, I, he's one of the few people I know who has, like, the wit and the words and kind of the wisdom to make a, a, a podcast uh, work for him or be successful, especially being a musician. Like, I think most people, most musicians should not have a podcast because people probably wouldn't care what they have to say in terms of their dialogue. Um, what do you call that? The pot calling the kettle black? 
Um, I should look in the mirror when I say that, but, uh, he's one of the few people who I think could do it well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He was just getting back to me about that. But the point of all that is, um, I don't know, Tom and his music and I'm glad things were going well. But for me, you know, I was saying, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, how I felt about my creative life, I would have been primarily uh, ambivalent. You know, uh, I had gone back to school. I wasn't feeling very good about where I was at. I didn't really know what direction I was going in academically or even work-wise. I just kind of knew I had to get away from music, right? Like things just weren't really panning out for me in that direction. And uh, at the beginning of the year when shit kind of hit the fan, you know, before I was just ambivalent. And then for me overnight, in a lot of ways, I felt like I had landed in the best position I could have. Right? I was gainfully employed um, full-time, almost, I was in school, and even though things weren't certain, at least where I was standing, you know, the fucking entire building hadn't collapsed around me like it had for a lot of people. Yeah, and me and my buddy Tom were just kind of reflecting on that, and I was kind of filling filling him in, and there was a part of me that was kind of, I don't know, a little embarrassed that I wasn't talking about how well things were going creatively, because that is basically what he and I have bonded over for uh, most of my life. But uh, in some ways, it was also a nice way to digest for somebody what my life actually had been for the last year and a half or so, going back to school, focusing on work. And um, and, and funny, funny enough, I don't even think the podcast came up, uh, which I noticed afterwards. But, um, but when I do reflect on this last year, you know, my primary creative interests have been, or output really has been the podcast, absolutely. And I'm glad that the Spotify stuff continues to do well. Um, decreasing a little bit over time, but still, I mean, exponentially, uh, more successful in that department than, than, um, a lot of my peers, which again, I chalk up to luck, but, um, and yeah, just kind of pursuing my creative interests, whether it's jazz drumming or learning synthesis or whatever the hell it is. But, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm in a completely different place and that is both strange and, Sometimes I feel a little uncertain about it, but uh, truth be told, given the circumstances, I feel like one of the luckiest people I know. Um, And I think after seeing Tom and sitting at the dinner table with my girlfriend, I was just kind of reflecting on this stuff, and I was especially applying it to the circumstance I'm in now with my job, which is, you know, I'm no stranger to disappointment, right? Like, especially as a creative person, um if you're pursuing uh, creative opportunities seriously for any length of time, you become very familiar with disappointment and rejection. And, um, and yet there was something about not getting this job, which, you know, for the, the week and a half I really had to stew in that disappointment, it really affected me. And I think it was because, you know, I kind of put myself out there. One, I think there is something intrinsically different about applying for a job internally at an organization you already work at, because you're um, interviewing with people who already know you. And if the job doesn't go well, you have to still work with these people. So it feels especially vulnerable and maybe even a, a little more wounding that your peers have evaluated you, you know, not worthy <laughs> of a responsibility. Um, so that was challenging for a week and a half. I also think there was an element where because this is my second pursuit after creativity, I was also like, damn, man, I can't even, I can't even excel at my plan B. Do you know? But um, thankfully, there was this plan C. And I feel this um, 
I, I, I feel this way very much, but you know, it's been very challenging over the last week and a half. And, um, my supervisor who got the job that I first went after, um, I'm basically now an assistant to the position I went out for, but did not get. But since getting the, getting the job, I have felt relieved because the person who did get the job is having to deal with some really difficult circumstances and some really challenging obstacles, which in some ways, those responsibilities fall to me also. But I'm there to help them execute their vision of how to deal with these issues. I don't necessarily have to take responsibility for them, if that makes sense. Um, and so there's been plenty of times where I have felt relieved, you know, like I, like I dodged a bullet in some ways. But as I was driving to my girlfriend's, I was sort of talking through this with myself and then was sort of talking about this over the dinner table, which is I want to be careful about feeling that way. And this gets into some murky territory, but it's something I thought, which is on some level, everything is a stressor, right? Like I'm looking at my supervisor now who has to deal with some serious responsibility and it is very challenging right now. And of course, there's a part of me that goes, oh, wow, I'm really glad I don't have to deal with that. But then after my next slide after that was, well, to what end? Right? Because eventually everything is a pain in the ass, but it's what you stand to gain after that pain in the ass. Right? So right now is a very difficult time at work. And yeah, none of us would willingly or without compensation or whatever, without prospects or opportunity, uh, assume that responsibility. But at the end of the day, yeah, you absorb this uh, stress, but you also get professional development, right? I mean, is it, too, is it too cliche to say that when you don't take on stress and responsibility, you don't grow, right? Like, um, I feel like this is an analogy that's come up for other people as well, but it's like when you lift weights, you know, when you break down the muscle, that's actually when you get stronger, Um or maybe it's actually in the interim. <laughs> maybe an actual. Maybe the truth is, I think it's actually you break down the muscle, and then when you rest, you get stronger. But the point I'm trying to say is, it's, it's resistance, right? And I think you know, in in the last episode, we were talking about dating. We were talking, and even today, we're talking about rejection. Those are the times where you grow and develop. And if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't face rejection, if you don't have losses, you don't grow. So it's easy to sit there with your arms folded and say, "Oh wow, I'm glad I'm not that person." But even though you have absolved yourself of this responsibility or the responsibility that you're looking at, what else are you missing out on? And I don't know if I'm making this point clearly enough because I think it is a bit of a nuanced perspective. But this, there's two analogies I'd like to use. And I know this gets weird and I know this, this is going to get at some things for a lot of people. It's not going to sit well with everybody, but I'd like for you to try to listen to my point with uh, sympathetic ears and try to hear the nuance of what I'm saying. Um, I realize what I'm saying is something that you could take a hundred different perspectives on and, and it's challenging because at the end of the day, everybody's right. But I'd like to make this very specific point. I was sitting on a meeting one time and one of my peers was talking about their father who was a very blue collar worker. And they were very much bemoaning the fact that um, their father who had spent their whole life developing a craft never made as much money as the people that they knew um, who went to college and, you know, comparatively have very easy jobs, right? They work in an office setting. They don't work nearly as, quote, hard as their father did, 
who didn't see half the compensation. And she was articulating how meaningful her dad's job was and how important it was and, and et cetera. And was just very disappointed that her father couldn't be compensated in the same ways that uh, some other people are. And I totally get that. I, I want to say that because I'm about to argue a very different perspective, but I want to say that I actually think that's true. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the way the world happens to be, it is a shame that many people who do very difficult, very back-breaking, very challenging, very remedial, very difficult, very dangerous, very dirty work do not get compensated. Um, very important work, too, I should say. Do not get compensated in the same way that some people who don't appear as objectively important or work as hard objectively get compensated for. At the same time, there are certain things that people in those positions who may not appear to have, uh, who don't seem to work as hard, may have taken on certain responsibilities or burdens at times in their life that may have been available to other people that have put them in a position to be compensated for that. So, for some reason, I, I think about, you know, there's a big conversation in the Bay Area about the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the landlord class. And there is this idea that landlords are sort of intrinsically evil people. And again, this is one of those things you could argue a lot of ways. But if you, as an individual, found some, or, you know, I, I don't know how you got the money, but let's say you have some means that you decide to uh, invest in a property. You take out a loan and you buy a property and you choose to rent that property out. Um, of course, you should be good to people. And, and of course, it's awful when you uh, evict a family of five so that you can double your rent with a new tenant. Like that, that I get, it gets into murky territory. But you own that property and you, you assume a certain level of financial risk when you invest in property or when you take out a bank loan. When you take a loan from a bank, that is a substantial financial responsibility. And the truth is, is many people who are in the same position to take on those same risks and responsibilities choose not to. Um, real estate is a difficult thing because it does require some money up front. But there are things like education. You know, I was sitting in on uh, the, the same meeting where somebody else was articulating that, that she and her partner First of all, she comes from another country, so this is not like somebody, some white American who did this. We're talking about someone from India who took on, uh, with her partner, took on cumulatively $350,000 worth of academic debt to pay for their graduate schooling, and they're going to be paying that off forever. And at some point, they hope to be compensated for that because they're educated. Um, but that is a huge financial burden and responsibility, and... Some people don't do that. They work very hard. But, and this is where you start sounding weird to folks, but, you know, there is a difference between working hard and working smart. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying I like these definitions um, as they stand now as much as anybody else. But given the reality of the situation, uh, working smart can mean focusing your work and your attention in a very specific direction. And it's very easy for a lot of people to assume that people who educate themselves or people who get an education or people who know about finance were just sort of born into this knowledge. And don't get me wrong, many people are, you know, many people are. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people who was born, uh, I would say, probably with more privilege than anybody I've ever known. But many people educate themselves also, and many people figure it out like anybody else does, Um and uh, where am I trying to go with this? Oh, the point I'm trying to make is 
it's very easy to sit there with your arms folded and, and assume that somebody else you know what I just got completely deflated there You know, this is one of the first times in a long time where I've been in the middle of an episode and I just wanted to stop. <laughs> um, I really had a confidence crisis there. Like, I felt it in my body. Like, it was, I talk, you know how I talk about those moments where it's like you're on stage and you feel the roller coaster cart start to shake? Like, th- it, th- that was like a moment where it's like you're in the movie and the guy's doing public speaking for the first time and all of a sudden they start having that sort of nervous flop sweat and, uh, and uh, they start having a panic attack and the mic feeds back and they feel the light in their eyes all of a sudden and they go, oh, I can't do this. And they walk off. Um, I think I've collected myself now. The point I'm trying to make is since I've been sitting there with my arms folded thinking, oh man, I'm really glad I don't have to take on that responsibility. What am I really robbing myself of? Because yes, excuse me, yes, Yes, I don't have to take on that huge responsibility that that person is dealing with, but at what cost? Yes, I have more time and leisure to myself. To do what? Watch more YouTube? Sleep in? Dude, do you know your boy slept 13 hours yesterday? Is that fucking nuts? I literally, after dinner, we got into bed. I like had this book I'm reading. It's called uh, um, The Book of Documents. It's one of the classics of you know, Chinese history and philosophy. And I'm sort of reading it, and my eyes and my neck hurt. And it's like at 8.37, I remember, was the last time I saw on the clock. I'm just like, close my book, and I put it down, and I close my eyes, and I fall asleep. And I wake up again at midnight, and my girlfriend's on her computer. She's like shopping for some stuff that she needs. And it's like, I just close my eyes again, and I don't get out of bed until 9.30 the next morning. Isn't that crazy? I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm not sick or anything, but I just think... What's going on that your boy needs 13 hours of sleep? Either I'm getting really old or I'm getting really lazy. But the point is, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I'm not not having to take on that responsibility or that kind of work. But that person is actually getting more of an opportunity. They're actually getting an opportunity to forge something in themselves. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in some ways, I've sort of, I can never remember this fucking artist's name. Actually, oh, it's Amanda Palmer. That's who it is. I always bring up this example that never sits well with any of my musician friends, but I feel this very strongly, and I think it gets at what I'm talking about. Amanda Palmer is a musician. She's very famous for her ability to crowdfund and crowdsource her uh, creative projects. She did this thing years ago where she was doing this tour of the United States, and I guess on her most recent record, she had a brass section playing music on the record. Um, She was doing this national tour, and ostensibly couldn't afford to take an entire brass section around the country. So my understanding of what happened is she extended this opportunity in every city she went to. She, I don't know if it was by raffle or audition. I don't know what it was, but she opened it up to her fans, you know, and she was looking for like a trumpet player and a trombone player and a saxophone player and a flute player, whatever the fuck she needed. And she would basically find those people in that country or in that, uh, in that city and invite them on stage to play for that night. She would send them the music, they could learn it. And maybe they had one rehearsal the day of the show, but that was the thing. And here you get this opportunity to play on stage with ostensibly an artist you really enjoy. There was such a huge backlash 
from the audience and from not probably not even her fans, but just the the, uh, uh, the music community at large saying that it was exploitative and how dare she do this. And she of all people should know that musicians should be compensated. That has never sat well with me. And I get the argument. I mean, if, if you're just saying objectively musicians deserve to get paid, sure. Um, but there are so many different, there's so many different variables here that I think people don't give enough credence to, especially musicians. It's like, like my my friends sit around and say that Spotify is a ripoff. Well, maybe it's uh, easy for me to say it as someone who's had some success in the genre, but you know the the people who are the most upset about how little Spotify pays artists are not people who are getting played. You know, it's not the people who have tons of people listening to their music, right? So it's easy to sit there with your arms folded if you don't really have a horse in the race to say it's an unfair practice, but. For the people who get paid or to get played on Spotify, they're, they get paid pretty well. And also, I, I think we're, how this relates to Amanda Palmer is I feel lucky that I live in a time where the people who created Spotify created a platform where anybody in the world can upload their music and have the same shot of being streamed by anybody in the world as any major artist that you can think of. Now, I'm not denying the reality that, you know, uh, major artists are, are what most people are listening to. But if people find your music and they like it, it's just as accessible. And for someone who's coming up, that's a gift, right? Monetary value aside, the fact that that platform exists while you're alive on this planet as a creative person is a gift, you know? And maybe you're right. Maybe... You know, you spent all this time writing a record on your futon that you put money up to record, and now that you have the tangible item press as a CD, you deserve to get 20 bucks. And I'm using that in quotes. You deserve to get 20 bucks. I understand feeling that way, but the market will decide what that record's worth. And if nobody's listening to your music, guess what? It ain't worth shit. Right or the market determines what some what something's value is, or rather, you can decide. It's like anything else; you can decide what you want to sell something for. But if no one's going to pay that price, it's not really worth that. It's worth whatever people will pay for it. And right now, people don't want to pay for music. And if you want to be a musician, you can either enter that market under those terms as they exist. You, it's like any other business. If you want to get in the jewelry business, or if you want to get in the uh, art dealing business, or if you want to get in the uh, organic farming industry, or if you want to get in the uh, dry cleaning business, you have to survey the market as it exists, and you either choose to play or not. But you can't just kind of enter and then sit with with your arms folded and bark orders at, I don't even know who you think you're talking to about how things should be. It's the listeners. They're the ones who are deciding. And of course, I understand big companies like Spotify, they create the technology. It's so good. How can people resist? But again, it's always been that way. Musicians have never had a fair shake in the game. You knew this historically going into it. Um, And look, I'm not trying to sweep away all the injustices of the music industry over the last uh, 100 years in uh, one fell swoop here. I'm just saying, if you want to participate, you're participating. Um... And, uh, yeah, definitely feel like I'm going on tangent here. Uh, what am I trying to get at exactly? Um, I just think by, you know, by, uh, yes, I don't know. By talking about all the things you're not getting, you really are robbing yourself of an opportunity, right? I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I just feel like people cut themselves short on, with their principle, 
right? I think it's like people say, oh, well, you're not going to pay me $20 for my record? Well, you can go fuck yourself. And it's like people say that with a point of pride, which is like, okay, you're, you're entitled to feel whatever principle you want, but I just, you know, I just hope it really makes you feel good because that's, I don't know, I feel like you're closing yourself off from an opportunity. So if Amanda Palmer, an artist you ostensibly love, comes to your town and offers you an opportunity to get on stage and play with them and not get any money for it, dude, for most people, that is a priceless experience. And in some ideal world or vacuum, do they deserve to get compensated? Sure. Should they get, I don't know, should is a weird word, but should they get paid? Maybe. It'd certainly be nice. It wouldn't be wrong, right? You wouldn't be hurting them by paying them. But why don't you ask that person? Hey, is it worth it? Sure. Because for most people, that would be something, that, that would be the type of thing that you could raffle off for charity, right? You could pay me, to, like Bob Dylan could, who knows how much money he could get for somebody to come on stage and play fucking harmonica with Bob Dylan, And if that guy just folded his arms and said, well, I'm a professional musician, you got to pay me, that's fine. Okay, you can take that stand, but be prepared to disenfranchise yourself from things that could be opportunities or investments in your future, right? Hmm. I guess, you know, maybe it comes from my low self-esteem, but I guess I'm always impressed and and I'm both impressed and disappointed by how people evaluate themselves. I'm just surprised at how high people price themselves in the market when they've had literally nothing to reinforce that. They've literally had no feedback to reinforce that. You know, uh, I want $20 for my CD. Dude, is anyone clamoring to give you $20 for your CD? Like, how do you, how do you evaluate your music at that cost? Shouldn't people be telling you that? I don't fucking know. (sighs) What point am I making as, as it relates to work? Um, I guess for me, and this was hard to sell my girlfriend on, and believe me, folks, as I'm talking about it, it's, it's even hard to sell me this, to sell myself this point right now, let alone yourselves. But I guess I was very weary of the impulse I had to think, wow, I'm really glad I don't have that responsibility right now. Because I was really thinking, how happy should I be with that? Yes, it gives me more time to do my schoolwork, and that's great. But what would I be gaining if I just, assume, if I just said, bring it on? right? Like right now, I'm kind of getting more responsibility and I'm glad I'm doing it well and that's great and it's easy to tell myself, well, this is kind of where I'm at right now and I probably didn't get that job because I wasn't, you know, I probably didn't deserve it yet and yada, yada, yada. And that may all be true, but who's to say if the opportunity presented itself and I just said, bring it on, who's to say I wouldn't rise to the occasion? You know, who's to say that that wouldn't be the the time where I really sort of stepped into my own or grew into my own? Do you know what I mean? And maybe it's a wiring thing. Maybe it's a constitution thing. Maybe a lot of it comes from my low self-esteem. But I am surprised at people who just, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I really felt myself building some uh, important conclusion there, and uh, I got nothing. But that's what we do.
I think uh, one thing my girlfriend said, and I thought that was a fucking great analogy. And then she took it in another direction. And I wanted to say, stop right there. But what she was saying was something like a full and a half marathon. Like I've run a couple half marathons. My girlfriend's run a, many, I think probably like half a dozen half marathons and one full, maybe one or two full marathons. I don't know. I think she ran a full marathon and walked one with her mother at one point. But um, I was saying that that's an, a very important analogy to make because when you run a half marathon, you get a lot of what you get from running a full marathon, which is you get physical, you get to be active, you get to challenge your body. And at the end of it, you, you build up to this crescendo where you see yourself doing, for many people, they see themselves doing something physically that they never thought that they were capable of doing. And at the end of your half marathon, you get your medal, you get a photo of yourself crossing the finish line, you see the transformation in your body and you think, I fucking did it, man. I worked my goddamn ass off and it paid off. But make no mistake, running a half marathon is fucking phenomenal. And when I did it, I felt great. And believe me, almost now more than ever, I wish I was in half marathon shape. But you know what running a half marathon isn't? running a full marathon. And make no mistake, there are people who run full marathons. And if you've run a half marathon and you've never run a full marathon, because you worked your ass off, it's easy to stand there with your arms folded and look at the people who finish a full marathon and say, damn, why the fuck do they get to celebrate? I worked my ass off too. And you go, that, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You fucking worked your ass off. And congratulations. What an accomplishment. But running a full marathon is twice as much. And I'm not saying you can't run a full marathon. I'm just saying up until now, you have not. Now, I'm not saying that sounds good. (laughs) I'm not saying that I want to live and die by that statement. But that's the point I'm trying to make right now is I get it. You feel good. You ran a half marathon, but you didn't run a full marathon. And already my mind is going into all these places that, you know, I I know it's not a perfect analogy, but that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. And I'm glad I have this opportunity now, and I'm glad I'm working hard, and I'm glad I'm making progress, and I'm glad I'm doing well so far. But it's a half marathon. And as good as running this half marathon right now, feels right now, I need to keep my eyes open for the opportunity where I can run a full marathon. Does that make sense? Maybe my mistake, <laughs> I find this oftentimes, as I talk about myself as, as, I, as if I'm talking about other people, maybe I would do well to just keep my analogies to myself. <laughs> maybe I would do well to just use myself as an example. Rather than saying you, 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 or they, 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 I should just, I should just use the I voice. Maybe that would serve me better in the future. Oi, oi, oi. Bring it on is what I'm trying to say. I got to keep my head on a swivel for the opportunities where I can bring it on. Dude, wow. Dude, I never planned this stuff, but it's like there's a fucking higher power at work, folks. We are at episode 50. That feels fucking phenomenal. And you know what it took to get here? Consistency. You know what it took to get to 50 episodes? A lot of fucking failure. <laughs> it took a lot of sitting here uncomfortable. Dude, that moment we had, I don't even know what minute mark it was. You were here. <laughs> Remember that time I totally fucking ran out of gas and fucking, fucking flew into the side of a cliff like 10 minutes ago? Do you guys remember that time? 
and I said, oh, I wanted to stop. I don't, I didn't stop. Kept going. And I'm not saying it makes me a superhero. I'm just saying it, it, it gets you to 50 episodes. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, but as good as 50 feels, as good as 50 is, because it's an accomplishment, guess what? It's not 100. <laughs> We've run a half marathon, folks. That's fucking rad with this podcast. But guess what? It's not 100. But we'll get there. <laughs> Man, isn't it crazy how this stuff works out? I was talking with my girlfriend, and uh, literally this morning we were like, making breakfast. We made these croissants, which were fucking delicious. And uh, it was kind of cute. I like cut strawberries for her, which was kind of adorable. Um, uh, And two things, not that it's anyone's business or it doesn't really fucking matter, but my brother uh, moved with his wife out of the city they were formerly living in to a new city where they bought a house. And it's them and this beautiful home and they have their dog and their life is fucking beautiful right now. And I'm so happy for them. And uh, I happened to FaceTime my brother, and uh, he was showing us the house, and I saw his dog running around the house, because I love his dog, and uh, if they ever die in a car crash, I want them to bequeath their dog to me. And uh, I, actually, I would love them to leave me that house also. It's beautiful. But um, but uh, where am I going with that? Uh, I don't know. Life is good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I lost a thread there. Um, oh, I think, yeah, I, I don't know why it matters, but I was talking about... I was at the, the breakfast table with my girlfriend, and we happened to be FaceTime with my brother. But I remember her saying, uh, I was telling her today, oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z for work, and I have to do this thing for school. And then, damn, before the end of the night, I got to record the podcast. And she's like, what are you going to talk about? I was like, I have no fucking idea. I did say, well, maybe that conversation we were having about, um, I don't know what you want to call it, relief versus responsibility or whatnot. Um, but... uh it's just one of the themes that we have, you know, things come up as they're supposed to. And it just, just tickles my fucking pickle that we're doing the episode and I was talking about running a half and a full marathon and we are literally at the half of the marathon that I said we were going to fucking run. Damn, dude, it's like there is a God, right? Jesus Christ, man. We are having a real eaching moment here, folks. We are having a real spiritual, touching, creative, generative moment of the numinous nature of the fucking creative process, folks. Could it be that the planets just align, or is everything happening for a reason? Now, I personally don't think that everything's happening for a reason, but oh, there's just a creative current that when you tap into it, oh, it just, everything starts to line up, man. The world starts to feel magical. And that, dude, I fucking crave that. Like, when I was disappointed with my job disappointment, when I didn't get the job I wanted, I was like, I went back to reading Chinese philosophy. I mean, hell, the reading, I'm reading this book of documents is because I'm on the heels of, like, rereading a bunch of the, excuse me, like, the source texts of Chinese philosophy that I really love, Confucius, Mencius, all that sort of stuff. And um, I really wanted to get back in touch with, like, you know, because I had been rejected from the job I wanted, I I didn't really have a sense of purpose, you know? And I I think I was trying to force getting back in touch with that. But, God, it's like, you just can't plan it. And I I don't know what it felt like to you as a listener, but for me, that was like one of those aha moments where... You know, I'm not saying it has any currency in the real world, but you feel like, 
I don't have things figured out all the time, but in terms of the the psycho spiritual slash creative slash numinous whatever that thing is, in this moment I was exactly where I needed to be. And you know what it feels like? Like as I've gotten older, I have genuinely personified this muse that I experience. And as I was talking about it in therapy one time, I therapist was saying, oh yeah, we used to call that the super ego. <laughs> but I literally had this personified uh, muse or, or sort of parallel me that's sort of living in this creative world that I kind of have to invite to, sh- like, you know, in, in um, you read the beginning of the Iliad or the Odyssey and they invoke the muse, you know, sing to me, O muse, the anger of Peleus' son Achilles that brought pain thousandfold upon the Achaeans. You literally invoke the muse and creativity is like that. You know, now that we're at episode 50, I've literally thought, what does the podcast need? Hmm. Even as I'm texting Matt Nathanson about his podcast, hey man, you ever thought about doing a podcast? Like, I think you'd really be good at it. There's a part of me that wants to tell him all the practical reasons that I think it would be good. You know, I've seen podcasts do fucking wonders for comedians. I think it would be a great way for him to stay creative and have an output during Shelter in Place. It would give him an opportunity to uh, host the other famous people that he fucking has access to and knows that can introduce him to their audience. But even as I start to think those kinds of, and I didn't say that to him, but as I start to think those things, I start to feel kind of icky. And as I start to think those things, as it relates to this podcast, I realize it kind of makes me feel icky. And, you know, this was episode 50. I could have had a guest on here. I could have had my brother on here. I could have had Matt, our MVP, on here. And I have no problem with having those people on here. I would love to have them on on this podcast, and I hope that they would love to be here. But this is a creative slash spiritual practice, right? I show up here, I don't really have anything planned of what I'm going to talk about, and we just sort of find it together. And sometimes I crash into a wall, and sometimes I run out of things to say, and sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes... The fucking planets align, and I have some sort of insight. I see the next step forward. And my problems aren't solved, people. But it lets me know, yeah, you're kind of wandering in the woods here, you're kind of in the dark, you're kind of lost, but we're moving somewhere. You know, and that is something that you have to show up for. So I don't know, I feel like I was taking off a list of, at some point, what uh, what 50 episodes, what it takes to get to 50 episodes, but um, consistency. And dare I say, courage, something like creative courage, you know, not real courage, like the real heroes that we have in the world, but a more subtle courage, a a more subtle private type of courage. You know, who are you when no one's looking? What do you do? How do you spend your time? What do you dedicate your mind and your thought and your energy to? I mean, at least for a couple hours a week. For me, it's been this podcast. And uh, I don't know. Even I look at it sometimes and I think, why? (laughs) Why? Why would I do this? But I don't know. I get something out of it. It's fulfilling. Um, And there are times when I'm doing it where I think it sounds like a fucking nightmare. And there there are times where I'm doing it where I think it sounds fucking funny. And actually, uh, this last week, I, I... I'm embarrassed to say that I never really do this anymore, but I listened to the last episode and I'm not, it's not the best episode we've done, but as I was listening, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed, I kind of enjoyed listening to it. And, uh, 
And uh, I don't know. I hadn't done that in a long time, honestly. I probably haven't listened to the last, like, 15 episodes or so, if, if, if I'm being honest. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was just nice to hear it and not cringe and just kind of follow it and think, uh, maybe I am getting better at this. Uh, even when it feels weird, maybe I'm getting better at it. And I fucking hope I'm getting somewhat. I hope, I hope the ball is moving down the field somewhat. Because after the fifteen or fifty five zero public episodes, and uh, I don't even know how many private ones. I, I think I've thrown out like you know a dozen different numbers, but um, um, I should be getting somewhere. And uh, you know, not that we're done by any stretch of the imagination, but um, whew, But uh, here it is unfolding in front of your very eyes, folks. Oh. <sighs> Excuse me. In the meantime, one thing I will say when I listen to the last episode is when I fall into these reveries or these silences where I'm not really sure what to say. It's like when I'm on the phone with my therapist and we fall into a silence. It's like I want to let her know that I'm still there. So I sort of vocalize. Especially when you're over the phone. Like when I'm just sitting in front of her, I can just be quiet. Like I clearly haven't gone anywhere. But when you're on the phone, you want to do things like, yep, 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 yep. You just kind of vocalize and just kind of let your presence be known. But even as I was listening, I was like, hey, you know what, man? Just be silent. Whatever comes out of the silence <laughs> will come. Or you try to trust that anyway. And the thing that's jumping to my mind now is I started playing this video game called Journey. Actually, I, I finished it. Um, it's, a very, it's a very brief game. Uh, I think if you're on Apple, it's only available on iPad. Uh, if you have Windows, it's available. It might even be available on, on consoles or whatever, but... This game is so highly recommended, and I have to say, it was pretty disappointing for me. I mean, it was beautiful, it was fine, but the the actual gameplay experience was kind of weird. It wasn't that, I don't know the word for it. It, it, was, it, was, it was not intuitive, and it doesn't really instruct you how to play things, but it was like, at the very end of the game, I realized, oh, there were uh, mechanics here that I could have been using the entire time to make the game easier, that were never apparent to me. Um... It's very frustrating, and it's a beautiful game, and it's kind of a... Um, but you just kind of walk through it. There's, like, no puzzles, really. Um, it just... It's kind of all... Yeah, the actual experience of the gameplay is not super fulfilling. There's plenty of moments where it sort of cuts to these... Um, oh, I forget what you call them. But there'll be, like, a cinematic insert um, where, you, you you know, you don't control the player anymore. It just sort of cuts to this interstitial video thing that either conveys plot or uh, moves the game forward or something like that. And there's like umpteen of those. And so it, it's kind of disappointing. You realize, oh, I want to play more. You know, I don't want to watch a fucking movie. I want to fucking play the game. Um, and it's very nebulous and I don't know. It's kind of a disappointing game. Um, and I don't know what that means exactly, except I'm surprised that I even care about video games at this point in my life. But there's something... We've talked about them a fair amount on the podcast, 
but there's something about them that is sort of interesting to me, and I don't know why. And I think it has something to do with thinking about disaster piece. My buddy Rich, who makes video game music, it's something about the games that he's participated in. There's just something about that world that I don't really understand. And I think a lot of it's pretty lame. Like, I don't give a fuck about Grand Theft Auto or anything like that. But there is something there. I don't know. I think I need <laughs> I need to learn more about video game design. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to make a video game or anything, but there's something about it. There's something I need to explore. There's something about video games that feels like the way forward for me, and I don't know why. And I honestly, I'm talking this way because I feel a little insecure about it because I, I feel like video games are kind of a waste of time in a lot of ways, but not all video games. I think some of them are high art, and I think we've talked about some of those on the show. I think, um, you know, surprisingly, the music that we use uh, for the podcast is from Fez, uh, which is a game that Rich did music for, and I love the music, but I actually went back to that game recently, and I don't love it. I do love Hyper Light Drifter, the game that the other uh, another very famous game that Rich did music for. That to me is a high art video game. That game is fucking beautiful. Um, I love The Witness. I like Braid a lot, but I love The Witness. To me, The Witness is maybe of all the games I've ever played. That may be the highest point in uh, the high the highest of of high art video games I've ever played. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, but I don't know. There's something about that medium. I don't know. I think it can be done fantastically well. And, um, I forget what the channel's called. I wish I could tell you cause I, 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 I've seen some of their videos recently and I really enjoyed it. It may be something like video game animation study or something like that, but it's all these, uh, videos analyzing different aspects of video game design. And it's fucking fascinating. I mean, of course it's an entire language. It's, it's an entire art form. I really know nothing about, but, I don't know. I have this cultivating... I don't say I have a love for video games, because I certainly don't, right? I I only engage with them in a very finite and specific way, but there's something about learning about video game design and these elements that I didn't know existed that are... I'm forming this newfound respect for it. But anyway... Stretching on you motherfuckers! Deal with it. Well, what can I say? It is now 8.55. We got, uh, we're right here on the cusp of one hour. Oh, and I should probably make some summary statement again before we, before we get out of here. Whew, I feel like there was something in there. I don't know that I made my point very well, but I, there's definitely something in there that I, <laughs> there's something, there's something in there I agree with strongly and I, and I wish I had conveyed to you. I think I uh, sort of uh, s- flew circle eights around it and uh, figure eights. I flew figure eights around it and uh, not really sure where we landed. But there was an important point there I, I, I tried to get across. So, I don't know. I'm sure you figured it out. Otherwise, whew, we're at 50 episodes. And it's late. And... um and uh i'm tired you wouldn't think i'd be after 13 hours of sleep but um but i am so here's what we're gonna do folks i'm gonna get out of here i am going to uh make some food i'm going to unplug from work for the rest of the day and school 
and uh, I'm going to watch something on Netflix, and um, I'm going to fucking chillax. And tomorrow, I'm going to fucking wake up early and work a lot, ostensibly. That's what my schedule looks like, and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to do some homework and, uh, I'm not sure what you're going to do. Actually, I do know what you're going to do. You're going to listen to this motherfucking podcast because it goes out Monday night, uh, or it goes out, uh, Sunday at midnight. Anyway, your boy doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. I'm going to fucking get out of here before I, uh, before I say anything else stupid. I just want to say for those of you that have been listening since day one and you know who you are, there's not a lot of you. There's some of you, but there's not a lot of you. Uh, thank you. Um, you've been here since the beginning and, uh, well, what can I say? There's not, there's not a lot of people who can say that. There's not a lot of people who can say they listen to this podcast at all, but there's even fewer of you that can say you've been listening since day one. Um, but to anybody who's been listening to this podcast, if this is the first episode you're listening to, or if this is the 25th or 30th or 40th that you listen to, uh, thank you. I, I would probably have trouble articulating what it is, but there's, there's something here that you like. And, um, and, uh, I appreciate that. It means a lot that you listen and, um, I hope you continue doing that. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, you can at Apple podcasts or Spotify, anywhere you find good podcast, you will find this one. Please rate and review the show. If you like the podcast, give us five stars. And if you're able to write a couple sentences about why you like it, uh, think of one person in your life who you think would like this podcast and share it with them. Let's see if in the next 50 episodes we can grow the audience. Ideally, double its size. But you know what? It's going to be what it is. And uh, by, by episode 100, unless I've totally had enough of this fucking thing, I will begin doing uh, the video podcast. Maybe before, but at least by episode 100, we'll begin doing the video podcast. <sighs> Until then, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And ciao for now.